anxiety Maybe you have it too If so, you're not alone They're spiraling just like you Hello! Welcome back to Spiraling. This is part two of our Q&A episode. I'm Serena. And I'm Katie. And we're Spiraling. (laughs) Always. (laughs) I'll go first this week. So I'm having a real, I mean, I'm having several spirals, which I've shared with you over breakfast, (laughs) as always. But I was thinking about my main spiral this morning, and I think I'm going back to like a body spiral. Like I know. Not a chest sit, everyone, if you've been listening. (laughs) Thank God. But I told this to you, like, when we hung out, like, the third time we hung out, because you are my skincare guru. Oh, your melasma. My melasma. So I'm pointing to my mustache area. So (laughs) melasma is this, like, discoloration of skin. The The upper lip. Usually. The upper lip usually, but apparently but you, can you can get it get elsewhere. It everywhere. Yes, and I'm like, why does mine have to be there? Like if it was anywhere else, I feel like. <laughs> it's I would, very common. It's very common. But I've heard it's common for people after pregnancy yes. and after going off the birth control pill and things that I have not done. So I'm just yes. like, well, why is this happening? And sometimes it bothers me more than the other times. But I think when I'm more insecure in general about like my body and my size and my hair and all the other things, then suddenly I'm like, and I have this weird mustache thing now. <laughs> and, it, and I think also too, because it wasn't there and now it is, it's suddenly something that I spiral about. And I had to do a video thing on my computer slash social media and I felt kind of okay about the content, but I just couldn't stop judging how I looked, and I was spiraling about it. Oh, I relate to this on every level. I think, first of all, because we look at ourselves so much these days, more so than, you know, not that Katie and I are, like, standing in front of mirrors, but we're looking at ourselves in our phones a lot. And, yes, granted, that's part of our job, but I think everybody is looking at their themselves in their phones more nowadays. And first of all, I mean, not that it makes any difference to have somebody else say it, but I'm like, I think it looks great. Second, completely unrelated. She thinks to the my spiral, melasma's cute. <laughs> but have you tried vitamin C serum? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, I've been using dude, a hydro- hydroquinone. Do you know that? Oh, hydroquinone. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yes, I know exactly what you mean. But I would, I would. <laughs> As a non-expert, great skincare enthusiast. Welcome to our skincare I podcast. Would strongly recommend. Okay, good. A good vitamin C serum or antioxidant serum. Okay, that. So then and I'll maybe report a back. Retin-A. Okay, yeah. I am using a Retin A, but has def- definitely the vitamin C. And someone Everyone, told, please me. check back in and for please, the vitamin yeah. C progress. Someone who, a friend of mine who's an esthetician, told me it's really stress related, and I was like, well. There's another reason why I should sleep more and drink more water and be less anxious. All for vanity's purpose. Seriously, that's like my fucking eczema struggle. But I will say, have you done, do you have any strategies that you find help with body spirals? That's a great question. It depends on, you know, it's so funny. Like I, when I, when I'm low, it'll take me lower. If I'm, if if I'm feeling pretty good, it like doesn't really affect me. But the weird thing about Yesterday, I tried to, I mean, the biggest thing I try to do is like not look at it, like not get on there, not try to not look at the mirror and look in the mirror as much, try to just live my life, be around other people, yeah. do the thing that I don't want to do. Um, but I mean, I'm super susceptible to them. Like I think all of my eating disorder stuff, all of my body image, like 
I think it's kind of like my Achilles heel. So I really, I struggle to, what what do you do when you're feeling bad about how you look? I think it, for me, it's more, I try and do what you just said, especially with social media, Mm -hmm. just because I know that looking at myself is not going to make me feel good. Although I will say sometimes doing, first of all, like we have to live our lives regardless of if we feel great about ourselves or not. I think what's really lovely is reminding ourselves that we don't have to feel great about the way we look all the time. Because I do think there's an element sometimes, this is sort of my issue with the body positivity movement. Like I I love the core message, but I think it's really exhausting to be told that we have to love our bodies all the time. And then the flip is that I sometimes think it induces a little bit of shame if you do not feel like you Mm -hmm. love your body because then you're like, I should love my body. Like I'm told I'm meant to love my body. And and I think what is really interesting to me is I have never really understood the concept of if you express any sort of insecurity about your body or express something that you don't necessarily like about it on that day or for several months or or maybe at all people will often be like it doesn't you know i can't see it or whatever it is that you're insecure about let's just i don't know like what's what's a random thing you're usually insecure about, about like my size like, like your size okay being- so if somebody's like you're you're the perfect size or you're so tiny or whatever yeah. like it doesn't actually resonate if that's not how you feel and it feels really diminishing. And I think what happens with me is anytime I express an insecurity, I feel like I get a lot of pushback being like, like, be confident. Like, you're amazing. And like, that's lovely. So thank you to anyone that's ever said that to me. But I am extremely confident. And I also have insecurities because I'm a human. So I don't think that we, I do not think that having insecurities and being confident are mutually exclusive. It is very possible to be both at the same time. And I think I want to show you this video, but somebody sent it to me last week, and it's this little boy. Oh, I Did saw you see it, it? Yeah, somebody it's a little sent boy it to walking to school. So He's cute. like, I am smart. I am blessed. I can do anything. Yes. Like, I think it's more a reminder that when you're not feeling great about your body to do other things that make you feel great. 100%. So whether that's like writing or maybe it is you know, having a particularly important, just like maybe it's going on social media, even though you don't feel great about yourself and talking about something that has nothing to do with aesthetics, that it feels important to you and distracting yourself in that way or spending time with friends who, you know, love you regardless of what you look like. And I, or, you know, or consuming something that is mindless entertainment that has nothing to do with aesthetics, which sometimes there can be a pitfall to that. It's like sometimes if you're watching something, a movie or whatever, and you're feeling shitty about yourself and then you compare yourself to somebody on the screen, which is also not helpful, but you know, listening to a podcast, whatever. Yeah. I think it's for me, it's so tied to when I'm feeling not great about my work or my relationships, or other areas of my life, it's like, then this, then it's like, oh, then it's like kicking myself while I'm down. That's like, what I'm I was really say, good though, at being like, mean to do myself. Do you think that when you feel insecure about something body related, do you think that that is a signal that your anxiety 
and or depression is like kicking into high gear and it's more like a signal to yourself. If, oh shit, I'm feeling insecure about my body today. Maybe I should check the larger system, so to speak. For sure. And, and I think another like antidote to it is doing you said this already too, but like doing my routines, I will feel a little bit better about myself when I exercise and I go to the meeting I said I was going to go to and I check a few things off my to-do list. Like I, you know, it's getting external validation through uh, these other things, but like at least it kind of is forward movement, you know, and gets me out of my head. And like, I don't know, I, I was feeling particularly weird about my body when I was in when I was traveling and I said it out loud to a friend and I don't know if that's a, I I've been thinking, I've been reflecting on that for weeks since. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't think I, I agree that like, I'm on the totally the same page with you with, with body acceptance, or I mean, I think body acceptance is way better than body positivity. Yeah. And I'm body so over it. Whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Or just like accepting body neutrality, neutrality. <laughs> that's what it is. I'm just like, this is what, I, this is what I got to work yeah. with. This is fine. Because me saying I was feeling uncomfortable about my body then made my friend question her body and was like triggering mm. to her. And I just think it's like, but also holding it in doesn't feel good either. So I just kind of don't know what to do when you're, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I think that's a very normal, you know, I love to live in the sort of, I don't know what to do space in a weird way. It's, it's kind of the, when you've tried everything to get your anxiety under control on a bad day or whatever, and nothing works, then you just have to sort of lean into it. That's kind of the way I feel about everything, including yeah. body stuff. It's like, I can try and, you know, distract myself or do the, like I said, you know, do work that feels important that has nothing to do with how I look or distract myself in myriad ways. But if I still am like, mm, like I have the skin thing or my, like my jeans are too tight or whatever, I can't think like just stupid things that are, or might be bothering you, then just be like, well, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And like I used to, Logan always says it is what it is. And I think it's a very, my mom says Logan that too. and like, I'm always like, it doesn't have to be what it is, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I do think that it is what it is can be used as an excuse and can be sort of a defeatist mentality. But there are a few scenarios in which I think it rings particularly true. And that this is sort of one of them. It's like, you do your best. And if you're still feeling a little bit shitty, it's okay to feel a little bit shitty. Yeah. I think the kind of marker of like what we are, Tim question, like what we talked about last week, like what would he still be thinking about this? I think a marker of of this one is like, would this be bugging me so much if I was feeling really great about everything else, you know? And it's like, if I had a pimple on like the best day of my life, I'd be like, oh, what a bummer I have a pimple, but it wouldn't like taint everything where it's like, if I'm already down and you just add like icing on the cake, it's- yep. It's a bummer. Okay. We were going to keep these these tight. That was a, <laughs> that was a long spare. What are you spiraling um, about? I, mine is actually a, a body-related issue as well. On Sunday morning, I was doing my Melissa Wood Health workout at a friend's house. I was up in Proud's Neck Bane for a, week, for a wedding last weekend. And I was doing my workout, and all of a sudden, I was blinded. Like, I went from my plank into the fetal position and was weirdly, you know, when you may, I was alone, but you know, when you say things out loud yeah. to yourself and there's nobody around, I was like, yes. oh, fuck, fuck. What is that? What is it? Like out loud, because it was so weird. I felt like I had something 
very large in my eye. It was the weirdest feeling, like an eyelash times 30. And I couldn't open for the first 10 minutes. Like I couldn't keep my eye open, but it also really hurt to close it. So it was just this weird panic of like, what do I do with my eye? And so Logan came home and I, you know, come into the bathroom cursing, holding my eye open with like my pointer finger and my thumb. And I was like, there's something in my eye. I cannot see anything. I've looked in there, you know, and I've tried all the things, you know, where you like pull your eyelashes out and try and like get something out of your eye. Not literally pull your eyelashes out. But he, (laughs) then we proceeded to go batshit crazy for like 10 minutes. Like I sat on the floor. I'm in my, you know, workout clothes. I'm sitting on the floor. He's pouring cups of water into my eye to like attempt to flush it out. And then I was like, no, 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 let me get in the shower and try this. And I could not get it out. And he was like, all right, we have to go to the ER. And I hate like I, I avoid going to the doctors at all costs. Yeah. We've talked about this in yeah. earlier episodes. But I just was like, it's my eye. This is important. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the ER and they it was actually a lovely experience. Portland Main Medical Center, highly recommend. But they got this like tiny speck out of my eye. But they had to do all these gross things. I really hate eyes, like more than anything. <laughs> I don't wear contacts or anything, but I hate touching my eyes. I hate talking about eyeball. Like, I don't like anything related to eyes. So they put they looked Added in a microscope. They took my eye pressure. They did all these weird things. I didn't even realize you could do all of that in a ER. For yes. some reason, I would have thought you had to be at like a special, like an eye doctor. I know. No, it was like the preliminary test. I think if there was something majorly wrong, I would right. have had to see an ophthalmologist, but I didn't. And they got this little thing out and then told me that I had a bunch of scratches on my cornea, which is not great because they were, they basically informed me that I would feel as if I had something in my eye for a few more days because of the scratch. The worst feeling ever. Which is the worst feeling ever. It's not painful. It's just insanely annoying. And then I have to put antibiotic ointment in my eyes every four hours for five days. So I've been doing that, which from, from a vanity standpoint, I can't wear any eye makeup, which annoys me. But also I feel like I'm looking sort of through a veil. I'm also like looking at Katie with one eye right now. But all of the ointment gets stuck in my eyelashes and it's just goopy and gross and I hate it so much and it's made me but the weird thing is when I have a odd physical thing that feels off it just piques my anxiety like it doesn't actually I'm not anxious about my eye not anxious that I'm going blind or that something terrible is going to happen but whenever part of my body feels weird because that is my typical anxiety description is when Mm, people ask me how I experienced somebody recently asked me what my flavor of anxiety was. And I was like, it's odd physicalities. Like, so like I will be sitting somewhere and have a pain in my hand. Maybe there's a reason for that pain, but nine times out of 10, it's just my anxiety. But I'm like, Oh, I feel weird. And I literally just feel weird. And so having a part of my body that feels weird long-term is just making me sort of run high anxiety. Oh, I'm so happy. I mean, I'm I'm very sad that that happened to you. <laughs> but for the purposes of this podcast, I'm happy you're bringing this up because I relate to that so much. And that's kind of like a watershed moment for me because of my injury that we yeah. talked about for a long time 
it's just a, I'd never had a chronic pain before. And Ooh. this, you know, sciatic, it hurts when I sit for long periods mm -hmm. of time. So when I was traveling and just you have, we have to sit as human beings quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> and just feeling um, it made me incredibly anxious, yeah. but I, it wasn't necessarily about that. Although I did have a lot of like fear tied to that of like, oh my Am God, I'll ever okay? be able to exercise again. <laughs> and oh my God, I'm going to like my body and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of it was just general of like, I'm feeling off and then I'm feeling more off outside of just that physical feeling. Yeah. That's fascinating. So I've just, I've just been working my usual tools, but times a thousand yeah. the past two days. But yeah, it's very, it's very annoying. And you also have a lot on your plate right now. So it's yeah, like I think just that's one more, more thing. And I think also, like you were just saying, is this gonna, the feeling of, am I ever going to be ever able to exercise again? Mm -hmm. Yes. Like in terms of what's going on in my life right now. And it's like, I'm going to LA next week to do press. And then the book launches the week after and whatever. And like, there is a part of me that's like, am I, is my vision going to be weird? Am I going to be like, again, am I going to be able to wear makeup? Like I have to go on TV. Like I have to wear makeup, you know, like yeah. is this a, you know, thing, or I'm like, what if I get, I've been religious about the antibiotic ointment because I'm like, oh my God, what if I get an eye infection? You know? So it's a, it's a spiral. It's a, well, <laughs> I will say I don't have any thoughts or advice on the spiral other than keep up keep up the good work with yes, the antibiotic you. goop however i will say you were so good at being optimistic about this thank you not only like this is obviously like a very annoying thing but i walked in this morning she was like you know honestly timeline wise like it happened after the wedding between my book tour so like pretty good and i was like of all like you were so good at optimism to like make this goopy eye thing you were like actually pretty good timing and i was like okay uh, a good day to record a podcast. Yes, very true. You have a good eye for podcasting. So we're going to move right into these questions. Great questions. Thank you so much to everyone who sent these in. And as people are listening to this, if they want to keep sending in questions, because eventually you might do these again, and we would just love yes. to get your questions. They will help us with future episodes. Spiralingcommunity at gmail.com is open for business permanently. And these will never be shared anywhere. And as you may have noticed last week, we're reading all of these anonymously mm -hmm. and, you know, never be afraid to email us. We are yeah. so happy to hear from and you. And we're changing little details in case, you in, know, like yes. last week's episode with the breakup, which hoping that went well. Yes. Report back. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. We're, we will make sure that they're anonymous. Okay. First question. Okay. I'll read yes. this one. <laughs> Like that I was like, go ahead. Okay, great. A lot of anxiety stems from the comparison trap, not being good enough and not doing enough. And then I'm so overwhelmed with choices and things I could and should do. A 300-hour yoga teacher training, go back to school, volunteer, see friends, the list goes on forever, that I end up crashing and needing to watch Netflix instead of anything that will alleviate my underlying anxiety. I guess less of a question and more wondering how you deal with this stuff if you do. <sighs> There's so many things. Okay. First and foremost, the big thing that I like jumps out at me from this question is the last part of like crashing because there are so many things that you want to do because that's something that I really relate to when I have a ton of things on my plate or 
it's usually, it actually is usually when there's a ton of things, not necessarily that are urgent, but like a lot of things that I want to do. My anxiety tends to be worse in periods where I don't have a ton of deadlines. So like right now I'm just surviving. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just getting things done because I have so much stuff coming up. But for example, like three or four months ago, when things were a little bit more dead, I had, I was like, oh, I want to, you know, this is when we were launching. Yeah. I want to start a podcast and I want to do XYZ and I want to write this article that I've been meaning to write and I want to do this. And then like, I would end up doing nothing because I would be, my brain would become paralyzed. It was just too overwhelmed to do anything. So then I realized that taking that first small step has been really helpful for me. So if I'm like, okay, there's all these things I want to do. I will force myself to pick one, which is very hard, but it's also comforting just to be like, you're just picking this one for today. Like tomorrow you can do something. But it's like, I pick that one thing and then I just start. Once you start anything, I find that this snowball effect happens rather quickly. Mm -hmm. Like you'll be surprised. It's like you'll be momentum. Momentum. If you're like, I'm just going to write this one paragraph of this article Mm -hmm. that I want to do. And then you you will often find yourself writing the whole thing because once you just start, you start. So like looking at these specific questions, it's like, say you're, you pick that 300 hour yoga teacher training. First step is signing up. And then it snowballs because they're like, you have to be here Mm -hmm. at these times and show up and do it. I don't know if you feel that way about like getting over the paralyzation. Yeah. I mean, you said it all in that I'll add a couple things of, first of all, I, live in this a lot of the time (laughs) and it's very uncomfortable. So first of all, feel less alone. This is a gift I'll give you that someone gave me on my podcast on the episode with Josh Radner. I was talking about this exact feeling of just feeling like there's, there's this great line from the, do you know the before sunrise before sunset movies? Julie Depley says, there's so much I want to be doing. I end up doing nothing at all. And I related to that so much. It was just feeling like a master of none. And Josh said that he had a therapist once who said to him, it's a sign of a highly creative personality to have a lot of ideas and want to do a bunch of things. And I was like, oh, that makes me feel like this is a positive (laughs) where I'm into a lot of things instead of looking at it as being a master of none. So just take that on, first of all. And then just to add to what you were saying about just choosing one thing and getting started, it's the hardest part, but once you do it, that's part of the part of the creative process is getting through that hump. And I I was telling Serena last week, I don't think when we were recording, but I'd been feeling ex- essentially this of just this paralyzation of like I don't have another book deal, I don't have a lot of opportunities coming to me that I was just trying to make myself available for opportunities and getting organized and choosing which which project to focus on. And I finally chose one and I'm breaking it down as if I'm writing a book and I'm motivating myself as if I was like breaking it down in these little chunks. And I'm forcing myself to just, I heard this from Danny Shapiro, one of my favorite authors, but she says, touch your project once a day, like choose one thing Ooh. and just touch it once a day. And so I'm trying to do, and I did this when I was writing my book. Like I tell myself I have to work when I was writing my book, I said like an hour or making my podcasting course, like an hour. But right now with this project, I'm just saying like 20 minutes a day, I have to just go to this same coffee shop. I try to work on it for 20 minutes and I actually set a timer on my phone and I put my phone on airplane mode and I close out all of the things. And then usually after those 20 minutes, I do want to keep going. But if I don't, or I actually have to leave, I do, but just getting started, you, it snowballs, like you said. And I think that's the same with 
everything from a creative project to eating healthily, to working out, to figure, you know, to prioritizing things in your life that are actually important. And I think the beginning part of the question in terms of the comparison trap and not being good enough or doing enough, I would challenge this person and myself, because I find myself doing this all the time, this is what I go to, is to really dive deep and figure out who you're doing it for. Like, who are you being good enough for? Is it for yourself? Is it to make your parents proud? Is it to please a significant other? Is it to feel like you're one-upping your friends? Is it a personal thing? I think like for a lot of us, the ugly truth is that we want to feel better then. And it's really hard for me to say that out loud because it makes sometimes, Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like, it makes me feel guilty to be like, there is always a part of me that wants to be doing the best. And I think it's a, it's a, it's different than better than because I am very much somebody who is filled up and by like other people's successes who are close to me. Yeah, you're good at that. But I think that's a practice. And I think also for this person, it's like, seeing one of the examples of things you want to do is like seeing all the friends. And we talked about this last week. It's like choosing your first tier friends and prioritizing them and deepening those relationships and then picking other things. Because if you pick that one thing that you want to start and you realize you don't like it, that's totally fine. That's the beauty of life is being like, oh, I tried that and I didn't like it, which actually I weirdly get off on that because it means that it's something that I can leave behind. So there are so many things in our life that we're like, oh, like I want to take up pottery, but what if you take up pottery and you're like, this fucking sucks, pottery is stupid. Then that's one thing you can cross off the list of things that you wish you were doing. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, that's how you know. that Whenever I order something bad at a restaurant, I'm like, well, and now I know. I would have always wondered what that dish was like, you know? This really hits the note of the, my indecision anxiety. No, totally. But it's like sometimes making a bad decision and being able to cross it off your list is just as effective as choosing something and be like, wow, I love this. Yeah. It's two sides of the same coin. Trial and error. Yeah. I want to quickly go back to what you were saying about essentially that need for validation and wanting to feel better than. I think for me, I've realized that my wanting to feel better than is really comes from my need to feel equal to. Like I feel so, I'm wanting to be better than as to feel equal to. Yeah. Because... I'm like, well, if I'm if I'm better than, if I'm the thinnest person in the room at my, you know, most disordered, or if I'm have the most followers, or if I have like the most whatever, whatever, subconsciously I'm like, well, then I feel like I'm okay to be here. So it really comes down to like a low self-worth issue, which is yeah. I think where a lot of this comes down to. And I think the whole first of all, what is good enough and what is doing enough? It's like, I think part of it is sort of getting to a place where regardless of what you're doing, you just feel like you're enough. And I think that sometimes that is typically found in areas of your life that you don't necessarily expect it. Like maybe it's your, Mm. maybe it is your friends or maybe it's your relationship with your significant other, or maybe it's finding your passion outside of work and, and devoting yourself to that. Or maybe it is volunteering. That's the thing that fills you up. But I have tried to shift in the past 
really the past year from being a striver to being somebody who is comfortable experiencing and like reveling in in the moment, which is really hard for me. And I think that anxiety is so often the inability to be in the moment. We are always yeah. living in the past yeah. mm-hmm. or future, never in the present. And I think that striver mentality is incredibly common amongst anxious people. And the truth is, is like, again, this is all of these cliches are cliches for a reason, but nobody on their deathbed is ever like, I wish I had worked harder or I wish I had like done more, so to speak. It's usually there, I need to find, I'll try and find this for the show notes. There's a really good like study on this and it's like interviews with mm. people at the end of their life. And most oh, of them yeah, are like, that too. wish yeah. that they had prioritized relationships more and fun. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the truth is, is I think you're saying crashing and needing to watch Netflix is not something you'd like to be doing. But like for some people, if tuning out and watching something on TV is like a form of your happy. I think that that is also there are amazing. Wor- like, I think we, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like there are times to solve and there are times to cope. Yes. And I think we can have a plethora of coping mechanisms, but there are worse ones than there's some really great content. There's like some really I, good shit on Netflix. But I, I understand what this person is saying. I do too. I do too. But I do think. Yeah. I do think what's really interesting is let's put it this way. Everybody defines success so differently. Mm-hmm. So I think what's really strange is I hate to keep coming back to this thing that we talk about with with Tim or Logan, but it's like for secure mm-hmm. people. Think about again. Would you ever look at your friend who had, who is going to work and maybe has a hobby and is living her life and be like, Sally's ridiculous. She should really be doing more. <laughs> like right. there's no, I think we have to extend ourselves the same courtesy we extend to others, which is that we are not consistently judging others. Mm-hmm. And just like you're comparing yourself to others good enough, so mm-hmm. to speak. Everybody else is doing that too. And I think what's been so interesting is I've like gotten to meet a lot of people in the past few years that I really, really admire. Mm -hmm. And I think I definitely have compared myself to them in different ways over the years. And hearing that they feel exactly, they they feel exactly these feelings. So what I worry about is I would say, if you're, again, not in therapy. This is a great topic mm-hmm. of discussion in therapy. It's something I talk about in therapy a lot. It's like, how do I get to a place where I'm not constantly looking over my shoulder or admiring somebody else's greener grass because it's a waste of our time. And everybody, no matter how successful they are, is going to have periods of self-doubt or questioning, you know, their lives or their happiness. And just because you see somebody else who you think is killing it, mm-hmm. they may not be 100%. experiencing that feeling of yes. killing it. I think honestly, that's why I love this medium of podcasting so much because you can listen to so many successful people across mediums talk about 
their ups and downs, their anxieties. Yeah. You can hear every celebrity have a long form conversation, which wasn't really possible before this medium. You know, you wouldn't really, yeah. maybe in a long form interview, maybe, but with sound bites, you can't really get that. And so I think to hear, just, you know, use podcasting as your expander to realize that like everybody's, it's like what they say when you're at the party thinking about how weird you feel, everybody else is too busy <laughs> thinking about how weird they're yes, feeling. Totally. So it we're doesn't all, really. We're all very self-absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> and then also last week you said something to me that really ties to this, I think too, of like not lowering your expectations, but managing your expectations. Like I'm such an idealist who part of it is ambition, which I think is good, but to that can leave you feeling really sad all the time, you know? Totally. So I think to somehow have some moderation in what you're expecting of yourself. Yeah. So like moderate that. Don't worry about what other people think. And, and just start if there is something that you are really itching to do. Yeah. And there are worse things than enjoy your Netflix. <laughs> that too. Fleabag is great. Just finished. Okay. Next question. I think Katie mentioned in one of your episodes that she not only suffers from anxiety, but she also suffers from depression. Lucky me. <laughs> Is this something you could talk more about? I would like to know how you separate the two. In my mind, the two are linked. Anxiety often leads to a sense of hopelessness and acceptance that something is not possible in order to quell the anxiety, which brings on the depression. Any thoughts on this subject? I'm going to let Katie tackle this one. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Over to you, Katie. Okay, I'm I'll be right back to you, Serena. It, okay, quick side note. Our friend Phoebe, who we love, has been doing these funny weather memes uh, <laughs> on her Instagram that I think are hilarious. Oh, so so just something uh, quick and funny before we tackle depression. Yes. Yeah, they're, I think they're two sides of the same coin. So for me, the way I experience it is kind of these just really high highs and low lows. And so when I'm really high, I tend to feel a lot of anxiety. I tend to feel like, okay, things are going well, but it's hard for me to enjoy it because I'm, that's when the anxiety rushes in for me. And I have anxiety when I'm low too, but I, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, and kind of when I'm in the middle and, and all, at all times, like pretty general. But I think when I'm, when I'm really low, it's just, it's more of a hum where anxiety is just kind of like a intense, like a tingling, I guess, physically. That's kind of how I okay. feel it. And I don't know exactly what's the, the question here is like anxiety often leads to a sense of hopelessness and acceptance that something is not possible. So I think it goes back to what Serena was saying earlier about not being present. Like I think both anxiety and depression take you out of the, the present moment, thinking that things will always be how they are isn't being present. And that's what depression is. Like, I think the scariest part of depression for me is the hopelessness, the hopelessness of like, this is the way my feelings are feeling right now and it will never change. And that's what's so scary about it. But for me trying to remember that it's, it's like the weather when I'm feeling really low, I think that it's always going to stay there. But with the weather, when it's sunny out, I'm never like, Oh my God, it's never going to rain ever again. I know that it will change. And when it's a cloudy day, I never think that the sun's not going to come out, but that's what's scary about depression is that it can just feel so hopeless and low. And it's kind of the same for anxiety. When I'm on a high, when I'm feeling really good, I completely forget that I'm ever, I've ever been sad before. Got it. Do you find that you employ 
the same management strategies for your depression as for your anxiety? Or do you have different strategies? Like when you're going through a low phase, Mm -hmm. are you ever experiencing one, either depression or anxiety without the other? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. I think I'm still really in process with all of this. I mean, I, I someone gave me the advice to do the thing that feels un-you. Ooh, and okay. so like if you want to retreat and stay in bed, I try to like, okay, I know going out with, and being around people helps me. I'll try to do that. I'll try to – and sometimes I'll do the opposite where it's like I've been around people all the time. I'm scared to be alone, but maybe being alone would actually be good for me and taking things off my plate. So I'm, I try to remember that. But I think the management tools are basically the same because they're good like – mental health tools in general. A lot of the stuff we've talked about for anxiety of drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, maybe take some CBD, making sure for me, making sure I'm eating enough. You know, I think that's like a big one for me being on my phone, less working less. And I think the scariest thing for me about both anxiety and depression is that I can be and also honestly, my eating disorder too. I can be very, very high functioning. Like I can no one will know it or see it on my face. Like I'll get a lot done. I'll be moving really quickly to the point where it's not like I, I'm not one of those people who stays in bed for days and days and days. I push through it and it just exasperates it. The one thing that I'm, I'm curious about is do you like, for example, when I am feeling anxious, I now immediately like I'm feeling anxious Mm -hmm. when you're depressed do you immediately recognize it or is is it sort of something that somebody else flags for you or is it something that takes a while to be like, oh, I've been depressed lately? I think it's, I notice more the opposite. It's hard for me to notice when I'm, when I'm depressed because it's so, it's so just like I said, a general hum that's kind of always there. But I will notice when I'm, I'll have these brief moments when I'm out of it where I feel really grateful. And that's when I'm like, oh, okay, walking down the street, not feeling super anxious, not feeling super depressed. I'm kind of good. And I, I notice that. And that's in contrast to like noticing, oh, I've been sad for a long time. And I <laughs> yeah. just like didn't, I didn't, this feels so much better. Like it's really yeah. hard to identify it when I'm in it, but I do notice the, when I'm out of it, which is, which is good, I guess. But I'm, you have, you've helped me a lot with anxiety to be like, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. It. This is how I'm experiencing it. This is how I can articulate it. This is how I can articulate it to other people. And I think I'm still figuring that out with depression because it is such a low hum that's just sort of there. And it's it's quieter than the anxiety. It's, it's almost less physical. And it, it, I, I don't know if it's, I think both can be easy to hide. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a good question. I feel <laughs> like I don't have a ton of, do you know, have you ever seen this commercial just because like mental health commercials make me laugh so hard, even though they're not meant to, mm-hmm. I'm glad they're out there, but I almost think they're like doing everyone a disservice, but have you seen it's, I think it's like for, I don't know if it's for a drug for depression or depression and anxiety, but it's like somebody walking around, it's like a cutout on a popsicle stick of like a sad face. And it's like just a normal looking person. And they're like, this is the face of depression or whatever and then they have like a mask that they hold up it's so fucked up oh my god <laughs> so no, like it. but it's the, the whole purpose is that 
depression, anxiety, 100%. or invisible illnesses. Yeah. You you can't tell from looking at someone if they're yeah. struggling with this or if they're, you know, figuring their shit out. But I don't have much to weigh in with here. The only thing that I do want to point out is that just like anxiety, depression is experienced so differently by mm-hmm. everyone and is so this link between anxiety and depression is so nuanced. And I think they are often bundled together, but then they are often also talked about very disparately, which is confusing because some people group them together always. And I don't think that's the case. I am, I have, you know, pretty serious anxiety, but depression is not something I've experienced. And I do have friends who talk openly about their depression and and can't really relate to the anxiety side of things. Mm. So it is one of those, we had a conversation uh, with a friend last week, both Katie and I, about the fact that there is some, sometimes people compare, just like we talked about in the last question, will compare their like mental health struggles. And we were talking about how it can be liberating and it's just like not helpful for anyone, for people to be like, oh, like my depression or anxiety is better or worse than this other person. It's, It's just best to accept the fact that everyone's experience is unique and like it, and it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we don't, we do, we have gotten many questions about depression in relation to this podcast and Katie's touched on it sort of briefly, but we also are trying to figure out if we can bring on an expert to really delineate yeah. the two and then how they're connected and, and just yeah. give provide more information than we can. Because clearly I'm the blind leading the blind in this question. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still kind of in this depression we called my cocoon year (laughs) last week. And I feel like I was so inarticulate and I even had notes for this part, but I was so inarticulate saying that whole thing about the weather and Phoebe like five minutes ago. But I do think that the part of just remembering that it changes has been the most helpful piece of advice that I've gotten about this. And then I I was thinking about what you asked me, like, do I identify it or do other people identify it in me? And I was like, oh yeah, I I think I know. And I was like, but actually it's these signs and symptoms of depression that help me to know. And it's exclusively really other people pointing it wow. out to me because I had a session with a therapist this year where I was, I couldn't stop crying, honestly. Like mm-hmm. I was just, she, and she listed, and she was like, we can't get through this session because you're crying so much. It, it's really scary to me. And she was like, listed through all the signs of depression. She was like, check, 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 check. You have all of these things. And it was kind of like seeing your own blood. You know, I was like, I got a cut and I was like, oh my God, I do have this. Like, I was like, I'd, I'd been told that I had that before. I've had a tendency towards melancholy, like since I was a kid where I just like would feel lows really low, but I'd never, this depression is really situational of like a plethora of reasons in my life. And to hear someone call me out on it and then to have other friends outside of a therapeutic context say to me, like, you seem different. You're, you're not, Mm. I miss my friend, you know? And that's, I've heard that several times from, from people close to me this year and, and from family too. And I think that's, those are things to watch for and things that I'm kind of, you know, trying all the different ways to deal with that. I'm not a medication right now, but I've been offered to try it in the future after I 
try some lifestyle things that I think are going to help me first. But I'm not against it. Something that my therapist said to me, she was like, for a period of time, it could be your ladder where you're just trying to jump. And she's like, try to jump a little bit more. And if you can reach it, great. If not, you know, this might be a useful thing. So anyway, this, this person and everyone listening who has both sides of this coin, it's really rough. And also, like Serena says, you're not broken or damaged and we're all doing our best. Yeah. And remember that it changes. You know, we whenever I have a high, I forget I'll ever be low. And whenever I have a low, I forget I'll ever be high, but it always changes. Okay. I'm only in the middle of episode six. So forgive me if this topic has been covered at any point after this. Only last week. So you good. <laughs> <laughs> I love the name spiraling, but typically think of it as a spiral downward. My therapist spoke today about the concept of spiraling up where tiny little bits of good, happy things help you to spiral up into a better place, especially after you've spiraled so far down the hole. My therapist mentioned that she borrowed the idea from a book, which I, of course, immediately forgot the name of. That's totally something I would do. But I'm sure we'll talk about it again next week, and I'll ask her. I'm not sure if this is something either of you have discussed and or experienced personally, but would be curious to know more. I'm definitely going to be doing a little recon myself to see if I can gain any benefit from an upward spiral. I relate to this one. Did that not make you so happy to read? Yes. And I really talk about reframing. Yeah. Season two is exclusively <laughs> upward spirals. Maybe that's what we Maybe, start this show no, with. No, that's high, high. Let's be real. That's high, high. Yeah, high. that's true. That's true. But I relate to this 100% of like on both ways. Like when things are, we were kind of talking about it in my answer to the depression question of like when things are bad, I tend to spiral. Like, things keep getting worse or when things are the better they get, the better they get, the worse they get, the worse they get, you know, where one good thing happens. And I'm just like, and also it's sunny out. And also my outfit's great. And also I got a text from this person and it just, I feel like I create momentum in that direction. And I do feel like things can spiral up depending on my mood. And then it's the same thing on the other end of the coin. And I think report back what the name of the book is, but they definitely talk about this in the book, the big leap. Have you read that? Mm -mm. Guy Hendricks about trying to capitalize on like, you know, manic and, or depressive or like ups or downs or really just like when I'm feeling good, I try to lean into that. Just like when you, what you were saying about like sometimes when you're in an anxious phase, you have to just, you know, totally lean in. And I think that that's, that's been the biggest thing that's helped me lately is to just capitalize on the times when I am feeling good and productive and try to get as much done as I can, because I know that like, I will go through these periods where it's really hard for me to do much of anything at all because my energy comes and bursts. And so tack onto a spiral when it's, when it's going I high and get yourself amazing. washed up in it. Do you relate to this? Yeah. But I, the, the thing is, is like, I had really only ever thought of spiraling as the name of this podcast, but then as the concept of spiraling in general, I've always thought of as downward, correct? Like it's a negative spiral. Mm -hmm. But while I have never labeled an upward spiral, I think that, yes, like I definitely yeah. think I experience that. I just don't think of it as that. So like, yes, like I will get, it's sort of like when you get, let's use a book for ex an example. You get like one good piece of press. Actually, Katie and I were talking about this today. It takes 10, apparently, it's either nine or 10, it's a statistic that I'm pulling out of a hat. No idea where it came from, but I have heard it many times before. For every one negative piece of information, you need 10 positive pieces of information for your brain to like 
get rid of the negative one. So I do think like a spiral of positive things yeah. like is sort of necessary if you're in a bad place. Like if you're at the bottom of a negative spiral and like one good thing happens, it may not be enough to pull you out. But like if you have one good thing and then, and it can be silly. Like the great thing is that like, just like our downward spirals can be really silly. 100%. So could like potentially mm-hmm. an upward spiral, which I love the concept of. It's like yeah. you get to have a really delicious dinner and then you like, laugh at a show you're watching or you started a new great book and then or like maybe you talked to your friend that night and you had a great conversation or like you got a compliment from a stranger on the street or whatever and like I think being conscious of those little things and then adding them up could really bolster your feelings overall and I think that we do when when that actually happens fortuitously we are experiencing not happy we've just never thought of it as an upward spiral, which I'm 100% going to adopt. It's a lovely image and like way to conceptualize feeling better. Yeah. And I think you, it's momentum or it's magnetism or it's whatever. But when you are focused on, or gratitude, like when you're focused on something good, this stuff just works. Like it's annoying, but it works. Like when you're, it's, there's this teacher that always would say, get into alignment and then do the thing you're supposed to do. Like make yourself feel better and then do the work tasks. Because I think whenever we're pushing or forcing or trying to control, that's every time we were just talking about an opportunity that Serena has that she didn't push or force or try to control. It really came more easily. And every opportunity in my life that's that I've gotten hasn't come from me trying and trying and forcing and forcing. It's been when I've been quiet and I haven't tried and it's just, come to me yeah. and all the things that I've like really tried to control and like, you know, checked on a million times, like haven't worked out, <laughs> you know? So I think it's like spiral to f- try to feel really good. And then I think that's when good stuff comes. I love that. Okay. If you find out about that book name, please do let us know. Cause we will share it. Yes. And speaking of spiraling upward. Yeah. High, 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 higher, highest. Oh, this was a really <laughs> minus I weirdness and like pre-launch book madness. Like this is a week of extreme highs. I think that my first high was that I got some like really great professional opportunities. Like we were just talking about that I didn't necessarily think were possible and I was also not pushing really hard for and I'm excited I'm excited to see where those go and they might not work out but like I'm fine with that still it's still a high to receive the opportunity in the first place and I feel like that's why they will work out because of the non-attachment yeah higher went to a really fun wedding and it was one of those weddings where the groom is a good friend of mine from growing up but also we happened to go to high school together as well and like the bride happens to be really good friends with like a lot of my close friends from college. So it was like so many friends. Mer- yes. Like I actually felt, <laughs> I felt like I knew everyone there and it, it was like such a wonderful world's collide. And you did moment. a love train. Am I right? <laughs> I <did>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was part of a love train. And you looked so cute. Uh, I loved your dress. Thank you. I also said this, I hope this makes some people laugh. I Katie's referring to like a video that a friend of mine took of like, it was a dance train. Mm-hmm. But I wrote, I love a good train. And then I got a bunch of that's what she said messages. And I was like, well, didn't really think that one through. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> clearly having a wild weekend. Hi, yes. 
on Sunday after the wedding, Logan and I spent like Sunday afternoon and then Monday in Portland. And I have never been to Portland. And I had like the best 24 hour like eating and drinking experience that I've, it I've so had, good. honestly, like maybe maybe since like my time in Paris. It was just like such an awesome, like hit after hit after hit. And we also went to one of our favorite breweries that like I've always wanted to go to. It's called Main Beer Co. And it was just like cool and fun. And we had such a blast and it was just like, it was an awesome 36 hours. Oh, it looked, maybe it was the eye goop that made it so It was great. the eye goop, yeah. <laughs> that really tempered it. Otherwise, like, I probably would have felt too happy too high. and felt anxious. <laughs> we'll link to your Instagram post with some visuals of Oh, there's, this. yes, because there's also, I, I wrote out everywhere we ate in case oh, anybody's great. going to Oh, great, you did a so. little guide. Yeah. Oh, great, I want to go. It looks yeah, so you good. it's the best. Okay, my high, higher, highest. I'll report back from last week about that tough conversation I was needing to have with my mom about Ooh. Thanksgiving. I did that. And to say it went well is maybe, <laughs> but I did it. But you did it. No, it, it was fine. And I think it was like, I created a good, as my therapist pointed out to me, a good boundary for myself of like, this is what will work for me for Thanksgiving. And this is a trap, landing the plane, making a decision about something. Yes. Felt and really following. good and felt done and complete and that you're I on could. The other side of it. Yeah, I'm on Love the other it. side of it. So that feels good. I had some friends help me move. And that felt so good because I've been really struggling with like what is real and what isn't real and like just yeah. feeling like who are my real friends and who are just people I know. And to have someone do that with me, which is like such an annoy. They, they lived around the corner. They had a car. I don't have very much stuff. It took us like a half an hour and I took them out for a really nice dinner and it was fine. But like in my mind, it meant so much to me because I was like, that's an annoying thing to do. And they did it that they, they must be a real friend. And that just yes. felt really, really changed everything for me. And then highest, I always don't really think these through and rating them properly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit hard. So feel free to reorder these. <laughs> um, and I, I think I kind of have had kind of an opposite week of Serena, of just like a lot of, I, I came in here telling her, I was like, I feel kind of weird this morning because I had like two rejection things in my email this morning and that can kind of take you down. And so because I think I've been feeling honestly like in a depressive period, um, but high functioning and here we are. I've been going to therapy very consistently and I wasn't for a month because I was traveling and whatever. And just having that appointment on my calendar, like I've been going every Friday at the same time and I've been doing a little routine before and I get this coffee. I, you know, I love drinks. So I get this coffee I like before and I have this session and we've been trying EMDR. Have you ever tried that? No. But I've heard good things about it. What, what mode of therapy haven't I tried at yeah. this point? Wait, what is EMDR it's though? Like the rapid eye movement thing, oh, where you right, look, right, right. Or where yeah, you yeah, like yeah. process. Like honestly, you think about a, a hard memory and how that's affecting is you this now. For trauma. Yeah, they do it okay. a lot for trauma, yeah. and okay. she brought it up that it would be really useful to me with depression stuff and eating disorder stuff and. I will report back on, I've only done two sessions of this so far. So I don't think it's a, I don't think anything is a miracle drug or anything like that, but it hasn't hurt, you know? Yeah. 
So I like that. Oh, and let me just give the drink update of the week. Oh, yeah. So I feel like I should give a little bit more detail about what this drink is. It's called the Campfire Latte. And I reported on a, a latte that was a real Terrible. miss. Yes. But this one. This was a high. Yes. Let me break it down. It's a oat milk latte uh-huh. with um, a li- and I get light amount of this, but it's a smoked maple syrup with a smoked sea salt on top and cinnamon. Oh, oh that sounds delightful. It's delightful. So just to just in case everyone was worried about me with the last latte, I've found something new that is better <laughs> and I'm going to be okay. <laughs> We're going to end with that because that feels like a big fucking win this week. Okay. We love you guys. We're going to disclaim because mm-hmm. just. And we'll let you know that we'll see you and Serena's going to be on book tour. I so am. Congratulations. Yes. Please come see me if you are maybe not a dude diet fan, but are a spiraling listener, I would still love for you to come hang out. You don't have to get a book. Yes. <laughs> please come see Serena. I'm going to be at her one in New York yes. and you do need to get a book because it's amazing and wonderful. And to support this podcast, it would be so cool. But, if yes. You could check we'll out we'll the book. link the tour schedule in the show notes. Yes. Um, and we'll be back for a holiday, holiday episode, episode in a couple of weeks. Oh my God. The holidays, they're coming. Are okay. we doctors? We are not doctors. As you may have gathered from our conversation today, we are not mental health professionals or experts of any kind. We are just two friends sharing our experiences with anxiety. If you're struggling with your mental health, we strongly encourage you to seek a professional's help. We love therapy. We really, really, really do. We've reiterated that a million times. (laughs) Broken record. And remember, if you're spiraling, you are not alone. You are not weird or damaged or crazy. And you don't owe anyone an explanation for your mental health. We love you so much. Bye. Bye.